Welcome to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone, back with another exciting episode. I've got Jack Miller from Establish the Run with me. We're going to talk about the running back dead zone this year. It's become a buzzword term, especially last season. And, you know, we're going to talk about what happened last season, what is the RB dead zone, and how how to apply it to this year's landscape, because I think it's things are changing a little bit in the fantasy landscape. So it'll be fun to talk through that with Jack. Jack, I'll throw it to you right away. You wrote an article for us last year, sort of like outlining the dead zone and then looking at, you know, some potential exceptions to the dead zone. But in general, what is the running back dead zone? Yeah, so basically the running back dead zone, the exact range isn't totally agreed upon within the industry. But uh, when I've looked at it, I've found the biggest, the biggest, you know, extreme differences between positions in rounds three through six. And it's basically a spot where running backs historically have been a really bad investment in fantasy drafts and on the converse wide receivers have been pretty good. Uh, And so basically, I mean, the thesis, it's not super complicated. It's just that it's wiser to focus on wide receivers in those rounds. And if you look at best ball win rates or advanced rates or, you know, whatever metric you want, when I first looked at it, I looked at best ball win rates using best ball 10 data, but now we can also look at underdog advanced rate data. And, uh, and basically whatever you look at, wide receivers in rounds three through six have had uh, above average outcomes over the past seven seasons consecutively and running backs in that range have been below average for the past seven consecutive seasons. Um, and so when you find something like that, where it's just so consistent and repeatable and dependable year over year, uh, it, it's really interesting given the, the fluctuations that usually occur with this roster construction data. Yeah. And we look at last season you know, it was sort of exemplified why we avoid the running backs in the dead zone and try to pound wide receivers. Now, you know, you did a really good article on underdog advance rates and kind of looking at them in light of player context. And there are a few reasons why the running back dead zone was so great to avoid for running backs who, by the way, if you on average, the dead zone running backs picked on underdog had an advance rate of 13.5% of the time. Break even is like 16.6% of the time. So it was pretty poor. A few things happened there. One, like very few dead zone running backs were any good whatsoever. We had a lot of complete flops. We had a couple guys, depending on how you, you look at it, did well. Javante Williams was okay, but not a smash. DeAndre Swift at times when people got a little scared of him was falling. He did really well, but there just weren't too many successes. And then you look at the wide receiver side of things, Jack, and Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup were absolute, you know, league winners last season. And your odds of drafting them were increased if you were just drafting wide receivers consistently in that rounds three through six. There was some non- dead zone stuff that impacted the win rates too, which was in round two, for whatever reason, just kind of randomness, the running backs crushed in round two and the wide receivers stunk in round two this year. So we really saw the build last season on underdog was kind of like running back, running back, and then pounding wide receivers in the dead zone, maybe getting an elite quarterback there. Yeah, exactly. And and when I did that dead zone article last year, I kind of speculated that maybe the dead zone could start earlier because last year the early round running backs were really pushed up. So I think there were like 16 or 17 running backs going in the first two rounds, which was way higher than the average from the past few seasons. Um, But that kind of ended up being completely wrong in the second round running backs, just completely torched. 
And then the guys in rounds three through six still just fell flat on their faces. And and like you said, that kind of combination where loading up on running backs early paves the way for you to load up on wide receivers in the dead zone. And so it was just a perfect storm of, of teams that took RB or two RBs in the first two rounds really just smashing because they, they basically hit on just everything from a, a roster building standpoint. Yeah. And you know, just thinking through the running back dead zone too, again, before we apply it to this year, the running backs, you know, one running back that I get associated with, and I did draft a little bit in best ball last season is Mike Davis. I took him a little bit in the sixth round in best ball. I did avoid him completely in redraft, but I think he was a good example of sort of your, your dead zone pick where it's someone that has a questionable skill set. I thought he was going to be a better pass catcher than he was, but a questionable skill set on a team that is not a lock to be good. You know, I did think if in hindsight, Atlanta, you know, obviously was horrific and we would have just avoided that situation going into this season. I did think they would provide some high value touches for running back, but he was dependent on this team being good. And there was a little bit more team level fragility and there was obviously skill level fragility and, things just go wrong when, you know, at times when you're banking on both of those and it's sort of hard to sometimes find differences. Like there's JK Dobbins this year. I think Baltimore is, a, you know, you can say he's dependent on the team doing well, but I think Baltimore is like on a different level than Atlanta heading into last year, even though we didn't expect Atlanta necessarily to be bad. So like, those are the types of backs we're looking at. So, um, I don't really know where I was going with that, Jack, other than like, you know, some of the guys that hit last year, when you mentioned Javante being okay and DeAndre Swift being good, those, those are talented backs that we really like. Now their situations, maybe not ideal, but it's sort of like you need one or the other to kind of be either the talent to be really good or the team to really have a lot of confidence in them. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people look at youth too, because I think, I think one of the main issues with the the running backs in the dead zone is just that they can be projected for a lot of volume. Like if we go back to the Mike Davis example, he was kind of being projected for a bunch of volume because there wasn't really anyone else on the team. And like at this point last year, it kind of would have been wild to suggest Cordero Patterson would have an RB1 season in his you know age 29 or 30 season. And so all that volume kind of fell through to Mike Davis. And that made him him look like a pretty solid pick. Um, but like you said, the skill level was a concern. He was kind of a journeyman vet who is just being propped up because of projectable volume. Um, and I think that's kind of why the dead zone exists, in my opinion, at least. It's just like guys who like we give volume to, even though they don't project as, as super smashes. Um, and then those young guys like a Dobbins, like a Swift, like a a Javante, you know, we can talk about Brees Hall in a minute here, um, who who maybe have a chance to emerge from that dead zone because they're being put there because of uncertainty when the talent and the and the role could be bigger than we imagine. Yeah. So now now that we kind of have a basic understanding of what you know what the dead zone is, what types of backs in particular really exemplify it, um, you know, how it affects roster building. Like let's look at 2022 and there are some similarities to last year. We're seeing running backs go pretty early again in the first two rounds. People are really hinging on those hit rates of the you know the running backs last year. By count by underdog ADP in the first two rounds, uh, there's 11 running backs going in the first two rounds, which um, 
might be a little bit less than last year. Um, I'd have to check, but there's a lot of other backs that if you were to just tack on the beginning of the third round, you know, you kind of get closer to 14, 15 backs that are going there. So that aspect is similar. One thing I think is a little bit different. I think we are getting some more talented running backs like Brees Hall and JK Dobbins in the dead zone and wide receiver to me, Jack doesn't seem as strong as it's been in past years. It's always hard to tell like if that's actually the case or just a feel thing, but I don't know. Last year, man, I felt like at every turn I had parents that I was just like, this is awesome. You know, like even guys that didn't necessarily work out. Like I, like I was pumped to draft Robert Woods, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper cup, DK, you know, I guess my calf was earlier, but Tyler Lockett, we had T Higgins, Jamar chase in round five. It just seemed like at each pocket, there was someone I was comfortable with. Whereas this year, um, you know, Jalen Waddle, DJ Moore, the three, four turn, we have them ranked there. Uh, I think they're fine there, but it feels a little bit shakier than last year, in my opinion. Um, you know, even someone like Metcalf, you know, now has a lot of question marks. And the guys that really hit last year, Jack, they're all going early now. So like Cooper Cup's going in the first two rounds. Jamar Chase is going the first two rounds. Um, you know, we lost Calvin Ridley. Um, some of the guys that didn't even necessarily do that well last year, like CD lamb are going in the first two rounds due to opportunity. Debo is going in the first two rounds. He was another hit. Um, and, and all the guys that were in the first two rounds last year are sort of there uh, still, you know, Diggs, even though he didn't have a great season is there. Devante, even with the trade is there. Tyreek Hill, even with the trade is there. So how do you see all of this sort of coming together and impacting how you're drafting? I think, I think for me personally, I, I do agree that there are some intriguing running backs in the dead zone. Um, I think I kind of still like the receivers here. I mean, like mm-hmm. you brought up, you brought up DJ Moore at the three, four turn. You're, you're talking to the wrong guy for buddy, for buddy, my DJ, DJ Moore exposure. <laughs> like I'm trying to remain uh, unbiased and objective here, but my DJ Moore exposure we have dj Moore waddle ranked great there so yeah i mean the etr ranks are sort of there i just i don't know if i have i don't i was taking him at three four turn last year too so i guess it's the same thing (laughs) it seems like there's less guys though like like last year i had like eight guys i would take at the three four like amari cooper dj Moore, Lockett, the rams i mean i don't know it feels like there's less to me though if you missed that but maybe Maybe I'm all, and I do. I love Mike Evans for a while, but he's gotten pushed. He's mid round two now. Yeah, Evans has really gotten pushed up, um, which I think is good because I, I think he deserves it. But I still think that there's, you know, a decent number of receivers. And for me, I mean, I guess the bigger thing is like, like in drafts, do you think, given that we have just so much data on the dead zone, like, are you actually taking running backs or do you th- just think it's like, more viable and like maybe if someone slips this year you'll take one yeah so there's a couple things for me so far that are going on one i'm emphasizing taking a quarterback at the back end of the dead zone i was doing this a little bit last year with tight ends and quarterbacks at the end of round six but i think um beginning around six maybe i'm even a little bit more prone to part of that's like i think the mid-tier quarterbacks are overvalued which makes the properly valued upper tier quarterbacks more attractive in my opinion. So if wide receiver is not as strong there, I don't mind like switching to a onesie position. Unfortunately, I don't really have 
you know, I think Waller and Kittle are kind of fine too. Like the like Kittle's going in five sometimes. Like I'm not a huge Kittle fan this year looking at some of the team play calling and stuff, but in round five, like I'm taking that shot. We're above market on Darren Waller. So I think hitting the onesie positions makes sense to an extent. But there are running backs that, you know, I think we should talk through. Um, James Conner at the 3-4 turn is is a tough one because uh, we saw the high value touches last year with Chase Edmonds out were just insane. Um, you know, how much does Daryl Williams come in and take the Chase Edmonds pass catching role is undetermined. Uh, you've got Zeke who is kind of like he, he's sort of like the prototypical dead zone running back. So I'm having a tough time with him because questionable talent at this point, it's for sure a question mark. You know, I made some excuses for him going into last year, but another sort of down year um, with Pollard behind him. Very questionable. I think the offense, as long as he stays healthy, is good enough to support him, but there's always risk. You know, it's not as deep as an offense as before. So, um, so I guess those are the guys in rounds like, like that I'm looking at that three, four turn, I guess acres would be the other guy um, that's in that range. That's sort of viable. So how do you feel about those three? Yeah. In general, I'm, I'm still, I think taking receivers. I really get the Connor bull argument. Um, and I, I think I'm like slowly trying to like get myself all the way on him because like you said, like the high value touches could be there, even if Daryl takes some of the receiving work, which he should, um, Connor can easily still have like a top 10 season. Um, even if he gets like some of the Edmonds work as well as the same thing he had last year. Um, so I'm kind of talking myself into James Conner, um, even though I just, he just, like you said, he kind of strikes me as like that prototypical um, guy who who goes in the dead zone and then falls on his face. Uh, Zeke and Conner concern me, or Zeke and Akers, sorry, concern me a little bit more. Akers, I think, I, I, I've seen Edwin... Um, on Twitter, and, and maybe I'm putting just too much stock still in the Achilles. Oh, the Twitter doctors. I like Edwin. I mean, he's, he's, a good, he's a good Twitter doctor. Um, he is. Yes. I mean, he came back in six months last year, but like he still wasn't like good in six months. His efficiency in the playoffs wasn't that good. I kind of think right now that maybe the Akers-Henderson gap uh, is too wide. And so for me personally, I like taking Henderson later um, and then taking a receiver over acres um mostly just because of concerns about his effectiveness after the achilles as well as like how like if henderson could be involved still um and then zeke i i just like taking pollard a few rounds later oh yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna have more pollard than zeke i don't have a lot of zeke but there, you do sometimes an underdog in these wide receiver heavy drafts where I'm like, I mean, fifth round Zeke, he's not going in the fifth round. He's going like early to mid fourth. Um, but if he falls to the fifth, I don't know. I'm kind of in. The guy that I'm most in on so far really has been Dobbins, whose ADP I just don't understand. I mean, his ADP is down to 57. It's like the five, it's almost a five, six turn, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like mid five, end of five. I don't get it. I mean, he was someone that we were like, oh, he's way overdrafted last year because he was going in the middle round two. And then by the end of the draft season, he was going three, four turn. I was like, I'll, I'll take some by the end of before he got hurt draft season. I was taking him at the three, four turn. And I just don't know if there's a difference between 
this year and last year with unless you're really putting a lot of stock on the injury, but the injury was so early in the off season and the way guys come back from ACLs nowadays, I'm not concerned by it. It's a great offense. I think he's talented. Like the only issue with Dobbins is he doesn't catch passes. Probably not going to catch a lot, but especially on underdog with half PPR. I don't know. I'm okay with that. And I'm also more okay with the guys that, don't catch passes in best ball a little bit sometimes just because like in redraft, I'm just so picky about which running backs I take because I think a zero running back approach or some mechanism of that is the best way to draft redraft under dog and best ball tournaments work a little bit differently. Um, just in the fact that, you know, someone churning out a bunch of really good weeks can be super useful, even if they don't necessarily hit that elite running back ceiling. So he's been the guy I've been taking the most. I actually kind of prefer him relative to ADP over Brees Hall and Travis Etienne, but those would be the other two kind of young backs that are in the mix there. We have Hall as draftable in our ranks as kind of like fine at his ADP. We have Etienne as pretty pretty overdrafted. So I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on Etienne. I'm definitely with you uh, on Dobbins. I'll start by saying that. I think between the crazy running back injuries last year and then the the defensive injuries that the Ravens had, they were kind of forced to throw like way more than they would typically want to. And I think now that everyone's back healthy, defense is healthy, Dobbins and Edwards are healthy, they're going to get back to that super run-heavy scheme that they had for the previous couple years because like at this time last year, like the concern was that like Baltimore like only runs the ball and they never throw. And just because of this like insane mix of just outcomes that happened last year, both on both sides of the ball, um, I think we're getting a discount on the rushing game. And Dobbins is obviously going to be the lead back in that. So I'm 100% with you on Dobbins. And I think he's the guy who, like, even if he doesn't fall, like you can just take him over the the wide receivers uh, at ADP, even though it's the dead zone. And then on Etienne, he's, he's kind of in that like Connor group with me. Uh, where I'm, I was out on him to start the offseason, but slowly coming around. Uh, and it's it's kind of just that same reluctantness, reluctancy, whatever the word is, uh, about running backs coming back from Achilles injuries. Because I think Robin James Robinson is gonna miss time at the beginning of the year uh, because of the Achilles, and then the reports out of out of early practices uh, in Jacksonville are just that ETN's catching a bunch of passes. So I've kind of come around on ETN a little bit. I, I still don't think I, – I think he's, like, draftable. I'm still not going out of my way to draft him. Um, and I, I'd still take a receiver over him. But, like, if he falls, I think I'm, I'm more okay with him than I was uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the vets in here, which are kind of the ones we have to be careful with because the vets a lot of times are the – incumbent projectable volume guys that you know the running back shelf lives are short at any point in time they could get overtaken or they could just flounder if the team situation isn't that good you know david montgomery is one where i'd rather have a wide receiver most of the times in this range like i'm drafting godwin over him i'm drafting juju over him um, just kind of looking at like wide receivers around that adp i'm drafting gabriel davis over him most of the time I do sort of at the very tail end of the dead zone am drafting some Josh Jacobs um 
I'm just kind of in on the Las Vegas offense. The more I look at it, you know, you, me and Mark Dankenbrain did our team level overhaul for our projection inputs. And I, I, th- I think it could be like a pretty fun offense. And, you know, just looking at the profiles of the guys behind him, I just, I'm not super, super concerned with Zamir White and, and Kenyon Drake possibly. So, but that's, that's one of those ones where, again, it's tough to wait. He is sort of like the prototype you want to avoid. I do think this is someone in years past, though, that would have been just going more expensively. Yeah, I think there's a few guys like that this year where, um, which I, I guess is why this conversation is interesting, where maybe this is the first year where the dead zone is kind of being factored in. I agree with you that Jacobs in past years would be going higher, and I, I don't think he's he's that bad right now just because he should handle a, a large rushing role on a, on a good offense. Um, and another guy who's going like right at the end of the dead zone, who I think uh, fits that as well. And then kind of fits the, the Jacobs mold as just the lead rush or the Dobbins mode Dobbins. Um, I think I know who you're going with, but we'll see. Elijah Mitchell. Um, yeah. Elijah Mark's Mitchell. boy. Yeah. Dank loves Elijah Mitchell. I think he's a fine pick at his 70.8 ADP. Niners offense is going to run a ton. Um, it should be an efficient rushing offense too, regardless of who the quarterback is. And then Mitchell, when he was healthy last year, was just like far and away their lead runner. Um, the issue is just sometimes he wasn't healthy, but like when he was on the field, he was easily Shanahan's guy. And I know they drafted uh, Tyrion in the third round, but like I still think Mitchell is going to have every opportunity to be the lead back again this year. Yeah. Uh, there's been in the last few years, I mean, there's, there's, I forgot who it was last year, but there's someone where it was just like the, the recency bias has almost gone the other way this year at wide receiver. I'm on Ross St. Brown to an extent is someone that we like who like we've gone. So we've gone from overvaluing like these spurts of production, like we saw with Amon Ra at the end of last year, uh, to devaluing them so much that we're not even counting them to the point where, if you draft guys like Mitchell and Amon Ra, it's almost like if that production was real, you're almost just banking the upside because it's so neglected and discounted by the market um, where like, maybe we should be counting it a little bit, you know, not, not a ton, but a little bit. So I like that. That looks at most of the dead zone guys. I am trying to avoid Antonio Gibson. He snuck up top of our ranks sometimes, but I don't know. I don't I don't feel great where you've got the pass catching back in JD McKissick and they drafted Brian Robinson, who I know Miko does our dynasty stuff, likes Brian Robinson a good bit. I'm concerned to start the offseason. I at first I was like, well, this is a guy, you know, sometimes the upside case just doesn't hit. And I want to reinvest in the upside case at a lower price. But as the offseason's developed and just seeing what they did with drafting Brian Robinson, I don't know. I'm just a little weary there. I think he's kind of the last main guy to talk about. Um, thoughts on him or anybody else we might have missed? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in on Gibson either. McKissick, when he was healthy at the start of last year, really was getting the the routes and the passing downs. And then they brought in Brian Robinson. They invested a day two pick, uh, and then Rivera's comments a month ago or whenever it was made it sound like it's kind of going to be uh, a three headed monster running back. And so, yeah. I'd much rather take a receiver or Jacobs or Mitchell uh, than Gibson at this point. And then sort of the last note, you did ask me what I'm doing if I'm taking these running backs over these wide receivers. And part of it is 
I think you can change the way you start your draft, right? Like <clears throat> I'm not necessarily drafting more running backs on my team in the first six, seven rounds. I'm mixing up the order a little bit though, where I might be more prone to take these round two wide receivers that I know stunk last year, but, uh, or round one wide receiver, like I'd rather take Jamar chase and JK Dobbins, for example, than you know, Rashad Bateman and, you know, Alvin Kamara, I guess not Kamara and then Najee Harris, you know, um, just kind of like looking at two V two. So that's part of my thinking here is I can take a wide receiver, a premier wide receiver earlier and bank that production. If I can get a running back in the dead zone, who I think is like not that different of a bet than some of the, the first two round running backs. Whereas last year it was, there was a starker contrast in my opinion, um, some of it's getting sharper guys like Aaron Jones and Saquon Barkley for a while. We're going mid three. If that happens again, I'm all over those guys. I love those builds with them as hero running backs and like kind of the start of the dead zone. But uh, it seems like the market's adjusting and that's not as attainable anymore. Any other final thoughts for you? Yeah, I think, I think just what I tend to do is instead of like making it Jamar and Dobbins like I would like to make it like Jamar and then um let's who's a random second round running back Jamar and like DeAndre Swift or Aaron Jones and still get my like early running back and then that can allow me to uh hammer receiver in the dead zone still and I'll make exceptions for like Dobbins and then Mitchell at the six seven turn sometime but like I still think in general I really want to focus on receivers there um, and that's kind of where I am, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It'll also be interesting to see how the ADPs develop. You know, we might be re-looking at this, Jack, when we do it more from a redraft perspective closer to this season. Like I'm kind of interested to see, um, you know, underdogs gotten so big and like a segment of those drafters are like much more wide receiver heavy, like, who knows, like maybe like FFPC main event time, we're seeing Josh Jacobs go at the four or five turn instead of the five, six turn. And it becomes a different conversation. Um, and especially for redraft, I'm less prone to take these running backs in general, uh, just, just right off the bat. All right, Jack, thanks so much for joining me to break down the running back dead zone. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please rate, review the podcast, and subscribe. It helps a lot. You can also subscribe to the video version at the Establish the Run YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up. Those sort of things help us deliver content like this for free. And best of luck navigating the dead zone this season.